I've decided. Fridays, I'm going to do a Dan Knows Business Friday Q&A. So today is the 16th of July, 2021, the first Friday, potentially of many, where I'm going to either be answering questions that I've seen within my own community or other people's communities, which I think would actually help a lot of you. And I'm going to be answering those questions whilst live. Or if you actually want to ask any questions live on your own business, you know, growth, entrepreneurship, leadership, sales, marketing, tech, systems, automation, lead gen, prospecting, you know, sales, psychology, mindset, all that stuff. If you ask any questions around that and you want to ask those live here whilst we're recording and I'll answer those whilst live. So I have pre-prepared a few questions just to get us started. And like I said, these are from different communities, different groups. And they are private groups, most of them, actually all of them, to be fair. So I've anonymized the people who are asking the questions and the groups because obviously I want to respect the fact that they were asked within private groups. So I'm not going to identify anyone because that's a bit of a dick move. So I'm not going to do that, but I will answer the questions live. Let's go into question number one. This is a bit of a doozy. So does anyone know or can anyone recommend a useful YouTube growth calculator tool? I'm running forecasting and want to calculate investment to date with future investment planned and then offset bookings that came about because of my channel. There's a few things wrong with that question. Excuse me, just had a cough. So first off, this is almost like a speed mentoring coaching kind of round these lives are going to be um and i am going to be converting the audio of this into the podcast as well and that's going to be going live today so if you're catching live hi if you're catching on the podcast and if i share anything i talk about anything that i'm visually describing i'll try to visually describe it verbally as best i can so the podcast viewers aren't kind of diminished in their experience either so this question does anyone know or can recommend a useful youtube growth tool the issue I have with this question is that I don't believe, and this is, you know, I, I answer this in the community just the same as I'm answering it to you now. I don't believe that you are going to get any tool that's going to be able to predict YouTube related growth or any social media growth for that matter. The reason being is that social media, you know, YouTube and platforms like it, they are based on algorithms. No one knows what the algorithm actually is. You know, no one knows what it does. No one knows what it wants. You can have like kind of a rough idea-ish, but definitely not enough to be able to predict if I expend X amount of effort over here and Y amount of investment in time and energy and my team and everything over here, and I'm going to get Z output doesn't work like that because it's inherently trying to base a calculation on data that you cannot prove and that's never going to work right now the other part of this is that it's from a mindset perspective it's actually quite a difficult um, position that this person is potentially putting themselves in because if you're trying to say I want to spend X and get Y and I want to be able to figure out if I spend X and I get Y, then I can basically just scale. If it was that easy, everyone would do it. 
but it's not that easy because it's inherently unpredictable, right? So that in itself is a mindset problem or will potentially lead to one because if you're going into the business world expecting to be able to control and predict and forecast and analyze and get that kind of level of data out of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis when what you're doing is inherently unpredictable you're going to be backing yourself into a corner so the advice i gave and i'm repeating it here as well is that is a dangerous frame of mind to put yourself in the better frame of mind to put yourself in certainly as an entrepreneur certainly as business owner creative entrepreneur and experts that you are the better mindset to put yourself in is one that is comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I know that's a little bit of a cliche thing to say, and some people might want to just like reach into the screen and just slap me upside the head for saying it. But being comfortable with the uncomfortable is a very, very important strength when it comes to certainly going from growth and into scale. Because when you go into scale, you lose a metric crap ton of control and you have to put loads of faith and trust into other people and other platforms and other systems. If you are going into that with a mindset of wanting to control everything, you're going to have a difficult time. Like, period. It just, it will not be fun for you. I've worked in many, many businesses, consulted with many, many businesses. I have coached and mentored more, <laughs> in fact, hundreds over the years and bottom line the the entrepreneurs or the founders or the leaders of businesses that struggle the most are those that try to control more those that actually have an easier time or a less stressful time are those that are able to let go and almost trust in the process as it were and take the knocks take the hits get back up again try something different and so on those are the ones that tend to have a easier relatively speaking time of it that would be my answer to that question obviously i was a little bit more succinct in the answer i gave specifically within the community but that's a deeper dive right next question we have is what companies do you know of that have a great affiliate program so i have loads of ideas on this one um but my first answer to this question was what are you interested in because what a lot of people are, are doing right now is they're trying to find multiple streams of income you know covid pre pre-covid it was like you know bau business as usual happy days post covid and during covid it was a bit like uh crap my income's like all over the place some people have lost their jobs some people's businesses have and needed to pivot you know, some people's businesses have taken off massively and they're wanting to actually launch their own affiliate programs because they want to kind of continue that growth and momentum. But if you go into a question asking, so if you go into a room asking the question of great affiliate programs, what are they? The first thing I'm going to say to you is what are you interested in? You know, what products do you use? What services do you use? Um, what do you think you're going to be a good ambassador for? Because if you're trying to just put out a load of content out into the world for products that you don't really care about or don't know or understand then are you really serving the end user and therefore your own affiliate 
program authority, for want of a better phrase, you know, your own trust with the audience, are you serving that as best you can? So the first question or statement I made to this one was, A, what are you interested in? You know, what do you use yourself? Start there. And B, is when you're actually going into that approach for revenue generation and you know, alternative revenue streams, you know, some people call it passive income, it's not really passive because you've got to create the content and you know, do the work, so it's not really passive at all, but that's a conversation for another time. But you need to build up a level of trust because people aren't just going to read some content, click on what you've, well, you know, the link in the content you've created, if that's what you do, and then buy. People need to almost build up a, a level of trust to know that what you're actually suggesting is the right product for them. And the best way of doing that, exactly like I'm doing right now, in fact, I'm using Ecamm Live and Restream to multi-stream what I'm doing right now, this stream, out to multiple platforms. Now I could just use Restream and just go out directly through that. The only reason I'm using Ecamm is because whilst Restream is really, really good, like it's phenomenally good, it's insane. What it's not good at right now is putting long form questions onto the screen. So right now on my screen, I've got the words, what companies do you know of that have a great affiliate program? Restream can do caption overlays, but they're limited to 120 characters, 140 characters, something like that. Um, so it's too short, right? So my alternative if I was using just Restream on its own would be to go into Canva and get like, you know, custom overlays for every single one of these questions I do every week. Screw that because that's just a lot of work and I can't be jacked. Or I just share a virtual camera from within Ecamm into Restream and just go live. And I do the overlays quickly, duplicate to them everything within Ecamm, and it only takes me like five minutes. So if I try and do stuff that's fancy, or if I'm in the studio and I'm doing a you know a speaking gig, for example, for a virtual conference, which I did loads of last year, and I'm doing another one in a couple of months and a couple more this year as well. If I'm being fancy, I use Ecamm because it has so much more flexibility and control. For daily podcasts and streams that I do, for the recordings and everything, for those, I just go straight into Ecamm through the web-based interface. So I go straight into Restream through the web-based interface and I don't use Ecamm at all. So I use the right tool for the right job, right? But back to the affiliate program question, because I use the right tool for the right job, and it probably comes from my dad, he's a builder, you know, so he, he would always use the right tool for the right job to get the best outcome with the least effort and the most efficiency. So I, I have numerous tools in my kind of toolkit, as it were, that I use on a daily basis, or at least on a weekly basis. But all of those I'm an affiliate for. So if you go to the links in the description below, and if you go into dannose.club forward slash ecamm or dannose.club forward slash restream, they are affiliate links to take you through to those uh, landing pages. If you buy, I get a kickback. There's no change to you. You don't pay any more of anything. In some cases, you actually get a little bit more because some of the businesses give incentives to the affiliates links. You get like an extra trial and that kind of stuff. So in some cases, you're incentivized to click on affiliate link more than you are to go directly because you build up that relationship and that trust. But I get a kickback from those people who click on those links and then actually buy. 
right? It's affiliate marketing 101. So I'm demonstrating that right now, but I use it on a day-to-day basis. You know, everything I am affiliate for are things that I use myself in my own business regularly. So the question, well, the answer to that question would be, start there. Start with what you use and go from that point. Next question. We've got 10, by the way, to get through. So I'm going to be here for about 45 minutes to an hour. Any webinar platform recommendations? I've used Zoom, but I'm not in love with with it. Um, would you like, sorry, I, I would like the ability to share a presentation while still having the presenter on camera, potentially have a co-presenter too. So this one was slightly nuanced, kind of, because Zoom itself is a video meeting conferencing platform. Webinar platforms are a completely different thing, and streaming platforms are, again, a different thing. But it helps to know what you're asking for when you're asking the question. Um, And to be fair, you don't know what you don't know before you know it, right? So part of the answer to this question is a webinar platform can mean a number of different things to a number of different people. You can have a webinar platform that you're just basically wanting to present a presentation live. Some people want to present a presentation into a closed group. Some people want to present it into a custom stream link and do it within a gated part of their own closed website. Some people want to do automated webinars, on-demand webinars. You know, there's all sorts of different types of webinar versions that you can actually dig into, right? So Zoom itself have a webinar kind of add-on part where you can almost stream your Zoom presentation to a streaming location. Now, some of those locations could be, for example, Restream, like I'm doing right now, and then it goes to multiple places. So Restream, by its name, Restreams to multiple locations. You could use Ecamm, and you can get really, really fancy with Ecamm, and you can do overlays, and you can do text overlays, you can bring in guest speakers, you can bring in multiple camera angles, you can do all that fancy stuff. And, but it really, really helps to know what you're trying to achieve. Right? So with this question, first thing I would say is, what are you trying to achieve? So when you ask better questions, obviously, you get better, more detailed answers. Right? So we know they're trying to share a presentation. They also want to present, but also have a co-presenter coming in as well. If it were me, and it was whether streaming or to a fixed location, multiple locations, or local recording, honestly, I would, and I do, for that, use Ecamm with another product that honestly actually I'm not an affiliate for, but I should be. Um, I just haven't got around to doing it yet because I've only just started using it. There's a platform called Prezi, so P-R-E-Z-I. Now Prezi is awesome because it basically takes slides to like the next level. So if you imagine, I mean, I'm, I'm right here at the moment on my screen and I am doing a live presentation kind of in so many words to you guys right now if i was doing this using prezi now prezi does almost like animated overlays over the top of the video image so if you can imagine what that looks like say if um for example you you're watching tv and you're watching like the news and then like a ticker thing will slide in from from the side and you have like an explosion kind of animated thing coming in from the the top right and you have someone's like name kind of like burn across the screen 
you know, all kind of like fancy special effects type stuff. Prezi does things like that. So if you really want to kind of like level up your presentation game and not look like, you know, death by PowerPoint, honestly, I would use Ecamm and Prezi. And I'm funny if I'm actually speaking at Ecamm's um, live virtual conference in September. Actually, I've got to record that um, video next week. And to record that presentation, I'm actually using Ecamm and Prezi, and I'm recording it locally on my Mac and sending over to, to Ecamm, and they're obviously going to present it pre-recorded, but you know, live stream it pre-recorded, and I'll be there live giving Q&A and questions, answering questions in the comments, that kind of stuff. So that would be my recommendations. Would be Ecamm with Prezi, and honestly, you will look like a very, 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 very small number of people on the internet at the moment who are leveling up their presentation game to that level. Everyone else seems to be doing like a Zoom thing, or you know, kind of like using something like StreamYard, which is a bit less fancy and less polished. And that's not really leveling up your game. You, you kind of look the same as everyone else. So if you really want to level it up, Prezi, Ecamm, all day long. Okay. Next question. Ah, CRM. This is another one about not asking a the right question or not knowing what you don't know. CRM. Please recommend one. I really gave Active Campaign a great shot. It's full of booby traps, and every single automation I set up took me hours. And short version, it didn't work. So first things first is that CRMs and Active Campaign are not the same thing. So CRM is a customer resource management platform. Active Campaign is actually an email marketing platform. So a CRM is what salespeople tend to use um, in many cases. And it could be from a spreadsheet all the way up to like something crazy expensive like Salesforce. CRM will track almost the, the list of contacts you have, leads becoming prospects, prospects going back to leads, you know, those that have become marketing qualified and those that have become sales qualified, MQLs and SQLs. So in, in CRM language, you talk about things like marketing qualified lead, which means someone's expressed an interest in potentially you know, product, service or whatever. And then the sales team will go into that marketing qualified lead. So the marketing team have qualified it as like, this is a verified, they're interested, they've expressed an interest kind of thing. They'll take that, MQ, that MQL, the marketing qualified lead, and the sales team will take it and they'll get tighter um, intent signals from that person and they'll turn that lead into a prospect. So lead tends to be like one to many. So download a lead magnet, download, you know, or sign up to a webinar or whatever, like one-to-many based kind of lead generation. Prospecting is tends to be one-to-one, -one, right? So when you take a bunch of leads or if you reach out to someone one-to-one, -one, that's more prospects, right? Because you're prospecting. And when that person becomes qualified as a sales qualified lead, an SQL, then you dig them through the sales process. You know, so you get validation, you confirm buyer's intent, you confirm authority, and a whole bunch of other stuff in the sales cycle. So MQLs, SQLs, and that whole process are going through pricing, confirmation, contract um, confirmation, and so on, through to actual completion and conversion and purchasing and transferring to billing and then implementation. All of that stuff is tracked in a CRM, okay? Now, ActiveCampaign is not a CRM. 
ActiveCampaign is an email marketing platform. So ActiveCampaign is what a marketing team would use predominantly to nurture potential audience members into leads and then leads into converted customers. When the sales have actually been completed, then it will go through nurturing, possible upselling, but it will do like one-to-many based automations for email marketing, right? COMs, email marketing platforms, different things. So that's the first thing. Second thing, excuse me, I need to cough. Second thing is that active campaign, slight bugbear of mine, is that you'll find a lot of people, especially in Facebook groups, they'll say, what's the best email marketing platform? And loads of people will give an opinion and say, active campaign is exactly what you need. Even though most of them have never used it, or if they have used it, they've used it within a business where they were an employee among a team of people with loads of training and other experts who kind of like tell them how to actually do things that they don't, didn't know or couldn't figure out themselves. Now, giving an opinion in a Facebook group is a bugbear of mine because if you're going to give an opinion, it doesn't really help people because most of the time it could be wrong, right? <laughs> Better to give an a suggestion based upon experience, as I would do. And if that is the case, there are very, 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 very few instances where I suggest to any, certainly solopreneur or small to medium business, very few of them I would ever suggest Active Campaign to. Because Active Campaign is almost like, like a Swiss army knife from hell, right? It can do so much crazy amounts of stuff and it's so granular you will never need to buy another tool again. But it will take you forever, if you don't know what you're doing, to figure out how the hell to use everything in there, right? And most of the the time, and this is genuinely the case, what everything that ActiveCampaign can do, most of its user base will never even touch a fraction of it. I would always suggest it's better to use something that's simpler, easier, just as powerful but not quite as many bells and whistles that you don't ever need and use that instead so if you are like literally just starting out and you don't have a huge list you don't have to do crazy automations or landing pages or you know tag people or you know tag customer journeys you're not going to have like multifaceted you know user journeys and customer journeys and segmentation and like mad amounts of stuff if you literally just want to send a newsletter out to a user base and not spend a crazy amount of money then I would use something called SendFox, right? That's as basic as you can get. It's just lists, no tagging, no no, no complexity whatsoever. It's literally list-based. So you have everyone into a list of leads, everyone into a list of clients, and you have another list of people who are potential clients, like prospects, for example. Three lists, and you send different emails out to those three lists. That's about as complicated as it gets. You can basically buy it for a lifetime deal literally you pay once and you basically just get it for life and it will have a logo at the end of your emails because it's kind of like a marketing thing for them they sell it one time but it's like a lead generation tool because it's got an logo at the bottom of all the emails you send out that says like you know sign up here that's kind of the the catch as it were with lifetime deals or you pay some like ridiculously low monthly amount and you get better support and they remove the logo off the bottom of emails so SendFox is the basic one. 
The other one, which is, again, is what I use. I used to use SendFox, I don't anymore because I've leveled up what I do email marketing wise. Um, but the other one is ConvertKit. So if you go to dannose.club forward slash ConvertKit, so dannose.club forward slash convert, C-O-N-V-E-R-T-K-I-T, um, that is what I use. And it is just as powerful as ActiveCampaign, not many, as many bells and whistles. It does landing pages, it does segmentation, you can level your game up with it like no end, it's insane. And relative to Active Campaign's costs, it's actually cheaper. And it's so much easier to use. You know, I try, and this is me, I'm like, you know, techie as hell kind of thing, or techie AF. I don't swear too much on, on live streams of this, I try not to. I tried using Active Campaign and it took me a couple of hours to get my head around it. Right? When I first started using ConvertKit, I was up and running in about five minutes flat, and that's including custom domain, domain stuff and landing pages. So simple AF, right? So ConvertKit, absolutely what I would suggest for that. Um, and if you really just want to be basic as hell, then just use SendFox and pay once. It's easier. Next question. Next question is, here we go. Looking for coaches or consultants that might want to be on my podcast. I have had several from this group on it already, and I just wanted to ask again as it's been a while. Now, there's two parts of this that I find very, very interesting. One is that everyone in their pet hamster basically <laughs> then messaged this person or applied to the person who asked this, um, this question in this group. It was like, pick me, pick me. Um, some of them were like, I'll be on. Some of them basically gave this long ass pitch about how they were great and how you know who they help and what they do, and it was basically like a like a feeding frenzy of people wanting to get free publicity. Now the person who posted this isn't silly; they know exactly what they're doing, right? So when you see stuff like this posted, a lot of the time, what it is is not actually a call to have people on the podcasts. It's actually a really good growth tactic, and. I, mean, I launched a podcast last week, just a soft launch, um, the Dan Knows Business Podcast. Funny how I did that there. Dan Knows Business Podcast. Dan Knows Business Podcast. I thought I was great. That kind of was good for SEO and keyword stuffing and a little bit of self-gratification. <laughs> now, when I have people on the show, it's people who I know. You know, it's people who I trust, it's people who I respect, it's people who have proven value, you know, it's people who are recommended by other guests, and so on. Now, if I were to put a post out asking for anyone and everyone to basically pitch me as to why they'd be a good guest, a part of me would want to find new people, you know, new audiences, that kind of stuff. Because it's opening me up to new audiences, which is a great sales and marketing and growth tactic. But the other part of it, which is the, the slightly more subtle element to it, is in doing that, everyone who replies, who is a coach or a consultant, if you as a podcast host sell services or some kind of coaching or product or program or something aimed at coaches and consultants, it's actually a really good way of getting a, a fishing type style 
list of potential new leads and prospects. So off this post, and it wasn't really a question, I, just, I thought it was a really interesting observation. Off this post, and I see them all the time, it had probably about 50 or 60, at the time I saw it at least, um, comments of people who are interested in being on a podcast. All of them, coaches and consultants. Now, if I was the person putting that post out there, that's then 50 to 60 people who I can reach out to in the DMs, have a little conversation with, potentially get onto the podcast, schedule for a couple of months' time, which may or may not happen, but it, it's an in for me to have a conversation with them about, so have you got high ticket programs at the moment? Because I mean, that's, that's what I do. I mean, if you want to help with that, then by all means, we should have a conversation about that as well. Shouldn't we? Really? That makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a brilliant, slightly subtle lead generation strategy that's used an awful lot. So if you, if you see these posts out there and you don't want to be pitched to, obviously don't reply. If you see this post out there and you get free publicity, cool, but expect to be pitched at, because that's probably going to happen. Okay. But if you want to use this yourself, launch a podcast, it's very easy to do. Just go into Anchor, like I did, set up a podcast, set up some multiple feeds. It's distributed to like 10 or 12 different places. Um, my one, like I said, it's only been up for about a week. It's very easy to do. And this is a brilliant growth and sales tactic for your own business, if that's an approach you want to take. You know, it might be something I do in the future, maybe, probably not, um, because I, I kind of see it coming a mile off and I'm not really aligned to that kind of way of doing business. But if I wanted to, absolutely I could. But I just thought it was a really interesting thing to highlight if it's not something you're aware of. Next one. Hey, been reading a book on personal finance and realize I have no pension. As company directors, how did you go about it? Now, I am going to caveat this standard style that I am not a financial advisor. I don't give financial advice. I'm not qualified in any way and I'm not going to give you financial advice and tell you what to do. But I will tell you what I do and will do and continue to do into the future. Okay? So as company directors based in the UK, I am not part of or able to be part of a company pension scheme because I am a director of a limited entity and not an employee. Now, if I were to ever grow my business to the point where I have a team and offices and you know, multiple locations and you know managers and directors and a board and all that kind of stuff, not really my jam. I've been there, done that, don't want to do it again. But if I did, I would set up a pension scheme for my business, mainly for my employees, that I could, as a director, be a part of. But for everyone else who doesn't do that, or not interested in doing that, then as a self-employed person, basically, in the UK, we have access to what's called a SIP. You know, and there's other options out there as well. I'm not going to give you advice on anything like that or anything financially related. But what I did was I bought into a SIP. So I opened a SIP account, S-I-P-P, just Google them. I use a company called Hargreaves Lansdowne. And a SIP is essentially a pension for a self-employed person, right? Mine is a stocks and shares one. I bought a bunch of funds that track um, markets. So like the S&P 500, for example, the FTSE index and so on. And they track those market-based funds. I don't get into like high risk kind of things. I don't get into like the crypto funds or anything like that. This is, this, you know, this is pension stuff. You know, so you have to be a bit more sensible, at least in my mind. Now, so I've got a SIP. I also have a guy 
who does FX um, trading and other kinds of more kind of day trading. And I've got a tracker fund that follows this guy's trades. So he trades his own money and other people follow his trades and they make a, a profit. He gets a slight kickback from their trades as well. So it's like win-win. Everyone has cumulative interest gains every single week, every single month. That some weeks, some months it's down, other weeks, some other months it's up. But on net across the 12 month period, I don't think it ever has dropped below 60%. So happy days. But it is high risk. So I don't have all of my eggs in that one basket because that's the stupid thing to do, in my opinion. So I have my pension, pot, my SIP. I have the high risk trading stuff going on. I have that in that pot. I have my stocks and shares ISA in very, very low risk managed funds through a company called Netmeg, Netmeg, Nutmeg. And outside of that, I have basically a cash pot. You know, and at some point I may change that to gold, you know, by bullion and do it that way. So it's a bit more kind of secured in a fixed asset rather than a currency, but there's just like a money pot. So I, I see that as like high risk, medium risk, low risk, you know, baseline stable foundation kind of stuff. That's what I do. Um, I don't put all of my eggs in one basket. I don't put all of my eggs in a risky basket or low risk basket, you know, some years I might have a big gain in one, some years I might have a, little, a big loss in another, but cumulatively, there's risk management involved there. Right? So that's what I do, that's how I do it. Um, obviously make your own mind up, seek professional advice, obviously, if you don't know what you're doing, um, but I can just speak for myself, that's how I've done it. Uh, next question. Are free Facebook groups dead? I was thinking about doing a group on how to sell out your signature course with a particular focus on the copy and sales strategy. So Facebook groups, are they dead? No, they're not. Facebook groups are not dead. Um, they are, however, very, very highly populated. So my, my immediate kind of feedback to this would be, if you're thinking about starting a Facebook group, you need to stop thinking of it as a lead generation tool and start thinking of it as you hosting a community and setting ground rules and you know the the tempo and the the values and beliefs of that community but your job as a community manager as it were is to nurture that community and let it thrive together because because there's so many Facebook groups out there, so many free ones, what a lot of people are doing is they're setting up a free group and then they're the only person posting in there. There's no engagement. There's no people kind of interacting or talking to one another or anything. Just they don't care, right? And I mean, to be fair, I, I'm a little bit in that boat because I set up a Facebook group a while ago and it's, you know, I stream things into there, multi-stream things into there every now and again. Um, but I'm, I'm not a community host. You know, that's not really my bag. That's not what I do. That's not what I'm good at. And I'm very conscious of that and I'm self-aware enough to be able to say it. <laughs> so I'm not a community host kind of person. So me setting up a community-based Facebook group is probably not a good idea. I set up the group that I, I have um, at a time when I thought, mm, maybe try it, maybe not, you know, but it's good to have it there just in case and it kind of just me like a slow burn kind of thing 
Um, but I don't do a huge amount with it. But it's there that I can do if I ever wanted to. But I would probably have external help to come in to community manage it and grow it for me because it's not my skill set, it's my strength. So answer the question is, is yes, they are good. But no, they are not good if you're not going to be willing to build a community and foster a community and nurture a community. If you're just going to set up a group with the intention of getting those people to join and then pitch to them, they're not going to care, basically. So you be very clear on what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. That's what I'm trying to say. Next question is, do you feel that you can be yourself online or do you fear that being yourself would be detrimental to your business or personal brand in some way? Now, this one is, it's a bit tricky, to be fair. I, I am very me. You know, I will drop dad jokes, I will swear, I will talk about things that I probably shouldn't talk about, I will talk about things that my wife cringes at and she says, did you really just say that on a live? And I'm like, yes, I did. Because often I don't care. But at the same time, just speaking for myself, I'm also not stupid. <laughs> there are a number of topics that I absolutely will avoid like the total plague. And I will you'll see me never ever getting involved in them. I just don't. Because whether they are trending and volatile topics or whether they are topics that are always going to just lead into a place that's not particularly nice or if it's going to be topics that are constantly attracted by or appealed to by trolls and frankly like the cesspool people of the internet those topics I avoid like the plague I just don't go anywhere near them um, so some of those topics might be say if people we were talking about crypto investing you know if people are talking about blockchain and the technology of blockchain and applications for it and uses of it and everything absolutely get involved in those conversations because blockchain as a technology is a phenomenally impressive and quite a huge potential in that actual technology but if you're talking about people who are investing in bitcoin and basically arguing and getting all aggressive about you know crypto's poison and crypto's fantastic and i made a fortune but everyone else like lost the fortune it's destroyed lives it's made lives like all that kind of stuff i will avoid those conversations like the plague because a doesn't get me any benefit b i don't really care to be exposed to people in that world because they're never going to be my customer they're not ever going to be on my audience list or prospecting list i'm not interested in working with people who do that kind of stuff who get aggressive about you know quick win high risk like investing kind of stuff pyramid schemes like all that kind of jazz i'm not saying crypto is a pyramid scheme some people build pyramid schemes on it on it but it attracts those people so i avoid those like the plague i also avoid certain as a guy and i'll be honest here i avoid conversations around feminism for example i tend not to get involved in those at all because as a guy talking about those topics it can either go one of two ways right you know it's either going to be really nice to hear a guy's thoughts really helpful um you know really balanced that kind of stuff and it can either go that way or i'm a target for weeks <laughs> like later and I, this has happened where i've given an opinion on something i thought was very balanced very chill and i even showed all the messages to my wife and she's you know my wife's 
a woman working in a high level with a corporate environment in London. She's also mixed race as well. So let's face it, she has an awful lot more exposure than a lot of people in terms of discrimination, right? So I've even showed some of these conversations to her and I've given my, I've showed her exactly what I said on a comment and she's like, babe, that's an amazing response. Like that's this balance, this level, it's honest. You know, what problem do people have with that? And then she sees some of the comments and she's like, yeah, they're nuts. <laughs> that was her words, not mine. So I, I talked about it with her and she was like, just avoid any conversations like that in future. And I do, right? So I think you should be yourself online. And I think you should be yourself when it comes to building a personal brand because people are connecting with you on a one-to-one -one basis and you as a person and they're building trust with you and a relationship with you. And yes, you should stand up against things that you don't believe in. You should stand for things that you do believe in. You should stand against um, things that you think are enemies that you should stand up against. You know, bullying, for example, is one of mine. I hate bullies. I was bullied massively when I was at school. If I see people bullying people online, in groups, in communities, at networking events, you know, in business, just generally, if I see bullies doing what bullies do, I will say something. You know, I will push back. But I choose my battles. Right? If there's someone I can defend, absolutely. If there's an ideal I can defend, absolutely. If it's something that's going to be always like detrimental to me and no actual help to anyone, just noise, I'm not going to add to the noise. So that's my, that was my answer to that one. Again, a bit more long-winded. Um, I just gave you, I gave the shorter version to them. But that's my views on that one. Next one, we talked about this a bit already. Um, so I said, woohoo, I've been approved for LinkedIn Live. LinkedIn Live are going through, or LinkedIn in general, they're going through a lot more approvals at the moment. So I've seen a lot of people who haven't had LinkedIn Live or who've got LinkedIn Live now. So they're going through this like mass approval cycle at the moment, trying to get more people into the live platform. So anyone using it already uh, got a view on which streaming tool is best? Any top tips for my first live? Any kit suggestions? And so on. So I've already given you a few suggestions on streaming tools. Restream, absolutely. If you are on a um, Windows PC, Chromebooks or whatever, um, or even tablets for that matter, then Restream all day long because it's web-based. So danholloway.club forward slash Restream, and I'll stick those in the comments below later as well. But Restream for sure. If you're on a Mac and you want to get fancy, then Restream. Yes, still, if you want to get extra fancy, then Ecamm all day long, okay? So danhoway.club forward slash Ecamm or forward slash Restream. Those are the two I suggest in terms of platform. Now, top tips for going first on your live. Now, a lot of people kind of waffle and they don't really get to the point. So if you think of it, when you go live, you've got to give someone a reason to stick around, right? So... I don't necessarily do it on this one, but on my lives, you'll see with me do every single day, I will talk about what I'm gonna, or give an indication about what I'm gonna talk about, but I'll give a reason as to why it's important that you actually tune in, right? So there's actually something called ADA. So I can actually get this up on my laptop um, so I can remind myself what it is. So A-I-D-A. -A. So ADA stands for, where is it? Um, 
areas. So Ada is a as a model for education and engagement and like content creation. It's it's used in presentations. It's used in um, you know speaking engagements. It's used in creation of online courses and content that we're creating right here. So Ada is AIDA. So awareness is A. I is interest. D is desire, and A is action. So if I was starting a, a live, say for instance, I'm talking about I don't know. Um, project management. So I'm talking about project management and I want to give tips on running a successful project for those who have never run a project before. So awareness would stipulate you've got to kind of tell people what the lie is about, right? So you click go live and you say, hi, if you are a business owner and you're wanting to really level up your presentation skills, but you've never run a presentation yourself, and if you want to build a project around that presentation and show people why it's so important that they they get involved in the project, you need to be able to communicate that well, right? So, bear in mind what I've just done there. I've given awareness, I've told people what it's about, I've told people why they should be interested. I'm engaging them like emotionally, you know, you need to be able to do that, right? I'm kind of asking the question and I'm engaging with them like one to many. So desire and action. So. If you really want to dig into that and if you want to stand out in your business as someone who knows what they're talking about, who really understands this project is for the benefit of everyone in the business, yourself included, and you want to work towards that promotion that you know is going to just like teetering on the edge of being yours, then watch this video because it's really going to help you to get to that level. Right? It's really going to help you to level up yourself and your skills in terms of presentation and putting across why people should buy into the project in the first place. So watch this video, any questions you've got, jump in live. If you catch on a replay, drop me a DM and I'll be happy to answer them. So as a off the, the cuff, random kind of example, that's how you'd introduce a live stream. So Ada, awareness, interest, desire, action. Now when you do that on your lives, you then just dig into the topics. You know, so you could say top three tips on how to do blah, blah, blah. Sorry, so tip one is blah, 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 blah. Top tip three is blah, 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 blah. Any questions? And you always make sure you engage people like throughout the, the content. You got any questions? Drop them in the comments. If you're joining us live, please let us know any, any questions you've got. I'll answer them live. If you're watching the replay, because 80% of the reviews actually come from the replay, depends on the market, but about 80% comes from the replay, not from live. Then drop your comment, your question in the comments or drop me a DM. So you're engaging, right? And as far as kit goes, honestly, I've got all sorts of stuff. I mean, I'm in my bedroom at the moment because I'm not in the studio um, and I'm going to pick up the kids shortly. But it's like the quietest room in the house. I mean, when there's madness going on outside, you can't hear anyone even think. But the most important thing is sound, oddly enough. I mean, video people can forgive, but if the sound is terrible, then people are just going to tune out. They don't care. So in terms of kits, if you're just starting out, then the easiest thing, I've actually got one, um, it's too far away, I can't be bothered to get it, but it's a Samsung Q2U. Um, I'll drop a link in the comments of that as well, a Samsung Q2U. So S-A-M-S-O-N, Yes, it does well, right? So S-A-M-S-O-N, Samson Q number two U. So Samson Q2U is a microphone. 
um, it's what's called a dynamic microphone um, really good for like cutting out background noise and things like that it's like 30 or 40 quid it's, it's not very expensive at all i think it's like less than 50 dollars in the states um it's probably one of the most affordable best sounding microphones you can ever get plugs in via usb off you go um, so if you're using like a laptop and it's got a built-in webcam just use the built-in webcam with a samsung q2u if you have a pc or it doesn't have a webcam itself then you can use either a logitech c920 uh, which is what I used for many, 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 many years. It's been around for like forever. Um, or I actually launched just yesterday a a leveled up version. I mean, it's for £189, I think $200, is a Elgato face cam. So E-L-G-A-T-O face cam, um, F-A-C-E-C-A-M. So that is almost as close to a DSLR camera as you can get without DSLR camera cost, right? So that's easily enough for you to get going with and that can serve you through until however long. Um, so that's me and my suggestions on that one. And last one I'm gonna get to is, how do I show up online in my local area but without turning into one of those people who take pouting selfies in the street every two minutes? <laughs> Uh, this is actually from a client of mine, bless him. Um, he runs a business, local business, and the city he lives in has a population of about, I think it's about a million, two million, something like that. Um, and I just said to him, all you really need to do is you need to build up a social awareness and a social platform in your local area, right? And we talked about paid strategies, you know, kind of like Facebook um, ads, local um, Google-based advertising, you know, Google local search and so on. So we talked about that as well. But specifically talking about social media, I just said, you know, you have a dog, right? And he does have a dog, just hypothetically, but he does have a dog. You have a dog. You go for a walk with the dog. Do you get coffee on the way? It's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So if you just take a video of you walking the dog, right? with the coffee in one hand, phone in the other or whatever, and, you know, Costa kind of style or Starbucks or whatever the local coffee place is. Take a little video where you're just like, right, five top tips for people who are struggling with X, Y, and Z. Um, really, really quick on Instagram stories. Um, here they are. Tip one, blah, 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 blah. Tip two, blah, 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 and so on. You know, five tips, three tips, four tips, whatever. Um, tag the coffee place in that post. Right? Or you know, the co-working space he might be at, or a restaurant he might be at, or a park he might be walking the dog in, or you know, whatever. Locally tag what you're doing. Put text on the screen that says, you know, top tips for whatever, you know, keywords and search and everything. Optimize your profiles for keywords uh, about what you actually do and how you do it. Um, and your profile is basically a landing page. So his profile would say, I help people struggling with X, Y, and Z by providing blah 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 what he does and to achieve whatever whatever the outcome is that you're looking to achieve you know so in my world i can actually remember what my instagram profile says but um, i probably should update that actually so mine says if i remind myself where are we so my instagram profile says I help creative entrepreneurs to monetize, grow, and scale your business. <laughs> I've actually put a bit on there recently that says, um, punching procrastination in the face. 
um, DM, let's go to start. Like really punchy, really kind of just. I was at the time I remember rightly. I was talking a lot about people struggling with procrastination. I think it was when lockdown was going to be eased and everything pushed back again, and people were a bit like ugh about stuff. Um, and frankly, there was a lot of procrastination in my audience that I saw. So I help creative entrepreneurs to monetize, grow, and scale your business. Emphasis on your, because it's yours, not copying someone else's. Um, DM, let's go. So similar to you, to you, if you're struggling with that, similar to what I said to him. Optimize your profile. Put out stories every single day. You know, three to five stories every single day on Instagram, as an example. You know, on Facebook as well, um, LinkedIn as well. You know, it's easy to do, but give people value and give people a reason to click on your profile and when they click on your profile you've got a landing page there that tells them how you can help them what you help them with and how you do it and you know go to a page book a call you know drop me an email whatever the call to action is um you don't have to just stand there taking pouting selfies every five minutes if you don't want to he wasn't an overly big fan of that idea um strangely enough i don't understand why but you don't have to do that stuff. You just have to connect with your audience in a way that they find appealing to them, right? And it's gonna give them a reason to click on your profile and then go further. Yeah, go onto your website, grab a call with you, book an appointment, download a lead magnet, whatever the call to action is. So that is our 10 questions for this week. I've almost kept it to an hour. Aren't I awesome? Happy days. So any questions you've got on any of that, drop me a DM. If you want to have your own question answered in next week's show as well, you are quite welcome to drop me a DM or tag me. I do hashtag Dan Knows, D-A-N-K-N-O-W-S, um, and ask your question, and I will answer it live next week. With that, I will bid you an adieu, and hope you have a good weekend. Take it easy. Speak to you again. <laughs>